the vision, this dystopian vision that he wrote about, was really the consequence of what socialism brings to a society. And so it's really concerning to many people on the conservative side of the spectrum like me today when we see that so much of what George Orwell wrote about in his book is actually coming to pass here in the United States of America. Welcome back to another episode of Fact Check. I'm Caitlin Riley. And I'm Bill Fian. And today we are going back to school because that's probably where most of us were first introduced to this book, 1984. It was published in 1949. And I can remember reading this, but this was, I was probably early in high school. And it's one of those things, Bill, where when you asked me, have you ever read the book 1984? I said, yeah, I had, but it was a little bit ways back for me. Right. Well, it's a lot further back for me than it was for you. <laughs> But, you know, this is a book that uh, most people, once they read it, it leaves a lasting impression. And it's only 59 pages long. So even if you're not much of a reader, it doesn't take long to read this book. What this book is about, it was written by George Orwell. As you said, it was published in 1949. Orwell talks about this dystopian future where this single-party government is in charge of everything, people under constant surveillance, uh, censorship is predominant, the only source of news comes through the telescreen. you got to remember, televisions were probably just a brand new thing then, and the telescreen not only you know sent you propaganda, but it surveilled your every, every action. Some of the terminology that Orwell coined has just stayed with us as part of our popular culture, and probably the most recognizable term in all that is Big Brother. So in Orwell's story, Big Brother, it's a, it's a face uh, with a black mustache. It's on posters. It's everywhere. You know, Big Brother is watching you. For a lot of my conservative friends, uh, when we think about a government that's intrusive and overreaching, you know, we often call it Big Brother. One of the ironies is that, that Orwell was a democratic socialist. And he believed in things like community ownership of property. But uh, somehow he was unable to see that the vision, this dystopian vision that he wrote about, was really the consequence of, of what socialism brings to a society. So me and my generation of people, you know, we read these books in junior high school or high school. The Soviet Union was the uh, nemesis of the United States. And we got a real clear lesson about what socialism looks like in action. And so it's really concerning to many people uh, on the conservative side of the spectrum like me today when we see that so much of what George Orwell wrote about in his book is actually coming to pass here in the United States of America. And what's so interesting was that when he wrote the book, obviously he wasn't predicting in a future that we would have social media because who could who could have predicted some of the technologies that we would have today in 2021 and bill you'd mentioned that even though those weren't embedded in his writing we can see some similarities between what he talked about and what we're experiencing in today's technologies right well a huge problem in our society right now is censorship 
And uh, in this last presidential election cycle, Facebook, which is the monopoly of social media, um, I've read that uh, one-third of people report that they get their news through Facebook. And so what they did was they banned President Trump from advertising on their platform. Uh, they censored any kind of mention of Hunter Biden's laptop in the weeks leading up to the election. They actually shut down our La Crosse County Republican Party Facebook page and the 3rd Congressional District Facebook page. They pulled ads that we had running in the 94th Assembly District, directly interfering in an election. And they did all of this saying that we were disseminating false news. And I would invite anybody to go and look at our Facebook page and see the ads that they flagged. One was a post we shared from The Federalist, a well-known conservative organization. And the other was a, a meme, a picture of Donald Trump after he beat the coronavirus. And the meme says, the doctors say the reason I beat the coronavirus so easily is I don't have DNA, I have USA. It's a joke. But here's the thing. A lot of this stuff is being done by artificial intelligence, computers. And guess what? Computers don't have a sense of humor. So, yes, we can see clearly that social media is definitely censoring conservatives and conservative opinion. And what's so hard about social media is that I've seen some of my friends who are teachers post that it makes sense. They can block or limit who they watch because it's a private company and your first, first amendment rights doesn't really apply to certain aspects of private businesses but social media is a monster that i think we're still trying to figure out how to regulate in the same way that radio stations are regulated and newspapers are regulated we have to follow certain communication guidelines and i think that we will see some of that because like you said these are large almost monopolies that have this digital space for disseminating news. And what's so interesting as well is they have their guidelines for what is or is not appropriate. And after the election, I saw someone post, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say the actual words they post, but they said, F these Trump supporters, we need to bully them into the effing ground. And bullying goes against Facebook's guidelines. And so I reported it to Facebook and I got a message back saying that it did not violate their community standards. Unfortunately, that's an all-too-frequent occurrence, and I, I hear about it. I have almost 1,500 friends on Facebook. And so those situations are definitely frequent, and um, it's unfortunate because this company is practicing an editorial policy and some people may have heard that they have a Section 230 exemption from the Federal Communications, um, the FEC. They can't do this. According to, to the law, they shouldn't be able to practice this kind of censorship, but they've done it anyway, and they've done it with impunity. And it's very concerning because they are a monopoly. They're not almost a monopoly. They are a monopoly. They constitute, I wouldn't know what percentage of social media in, in the United States, but it's, it's got to be in the, over 90% of people that are engaged in some kind of platform or on Facebook. It's gotten to a point where social media, Facebook, became an outlet for conservatives to be able to share their ideas, to be able to share conservative news outlets' stories. Because what we see in America today is another aspect of Orwell's writings, which is propaganda. 
And if you look at ABC, CBS, NBC, the Associated Press is terrible. Scott Bauer writes for them here in, in Wisconsin. And this is no longer objective reporting of the news. This is opinion. They're telling people their opinion. And unfortunately, a lot of people in this country just accept it as fact. They don't have the ability to question what it is that they're hearing that's coming across these major media outlets. And it's very frightening because our whole system of democracy is based on the idea of freedom of the press. It's the First Amendment. If people can't hear both sides of the political argument, how can they reach a good decision? And right now, censorship is definitely happening in America. It's hard for conservative people to find a place to have a voice. And whatever people think of Donald Trump, he had 88 million followers on Twitter, and they just decided that they weren't going to allow him to use their platform anymore. These questions go far beyond whether or not these are just private companies. The, these companies uh, have a huge role in terms of the way that we communicate with one another and what the future of our country is going to look like. If we can't, as conservatives, share ideas, how will people ever know if there is something better or different? And as a journalist, you know, I rely on the AP Newswire because, unfortunately, we don't have a correspondent in Madison who's able to relay strictly to Wisdom News what's happening. And sometimes, I'll admit, I'll look at the Wire story, and before I broadcast it on air, I will take off words that I think represent bias, specifically a lot of adverbs. You know, if they say they erroneously did this or they falsely, it's not my opinion to say whether or not something is false, but I will tell you what happened. But what's so challenging is that I was raised, I shouldn't say raised, I was educated to believe, and I do believe it, that there's no such thing as objective media. We can try, we can strive for it, but the moment that we just decide what to cover and what not to cover, there's bias. The moment we decide what's going to fit in our two-minute newscast and what isn't, there's a bias. And so to me, there's always been this battle of, do we put on this false face of ob objectivity or do we come straight out and say, I'm Caitlin, I'm a reporter, these are my political beliefs? Right. Well, I have to tell you that I think the vast majority of people don't think anybody in the media is objective. As a matter of fact, I think most people recognize that there are opinions that come from the right and from the left, not very many that are in the middle anymore. But all of this begs a really important question, and that is, who decides what's true? Who are the arbiters of truth? Who gets to decide? And too many times, the people that are making these decisions, you know, if you look at Facebook's fact checkers, these are people that are not unbiased. They're, they're people that come to this argument with a preconceived uh, idea of, of what the truth is. And so to appoint people to be the arbiters of truth, I think is a horrible place for us to be as a democracy. We should accept the fact that all speech is free. When I was taking civics classes way back uh, when the dinosaurs roamed the earth, you know, the, they talked a lot about Nazis. And uh, are there very many Nazis in the United States? No, they're just a really small number of people that are that stupid. But... They talked about how these people are entitled to all the same rights as everybody else. And freedom of speech is one of those rights. I can disagree vehemently with what they say, but they still have the right to say it. 
that's the foundation. It's the cornerstone of our democracy. And so I'm just going to tell you, this stuff scares me. It's frightening to me. Not many things impact me on an emotional level like the things that I'm seeing happening right now do. When Facebook decides two weeks before an election that they can censor you and shut you down, you know, we invested probably over $10,000 over the previous eight years building our audience of over 3,500 people there. Isn't there some kind of economic obligation they have back to us as a customer? Facebook's a monopoly. They're too powerful. They need to be broken up. And more recently, they engaged in anti-competitive behavior when um, Google and Apple and Amazon banded together to uh, shut down Parler. A lot of conservative people were leaving Twitter and, and Facebook to go and uh, get onto Parler. You know, these companies said that they violated their agreement with them because there were some people that did some planning of, I think it was the January 6th thing or whatever. But they completely shut down, the, they destroyed the company. They shut it down virtually overnight. That's anti-competitive behavior. We don't allow that in the United States. They, this all goes back to the turn of the 20th century and Teddy Roosevelt busting up the monopolies of U.S. Steel and Standard Oil Company. We don't allow monopolies in the United States. And it's disconcerting that people can't see this. Whether you're on the winning or losing side of this, uh, you know, recently there was a letter that went back and forth uh, between me and William Garcia, chair of the county Democrats. On his Facebook page, he laughs at the idea that we were censored by Facebook. You know, everybody should be concerned about this kind of action because guess what? You don't know when you're next. Once the censorship starts, you don't know when your opinion is going to fall on the wrong side of the arbiters of truth. And you know, looking back on 1984, one of the things that you talked about was surveillance being constantly monitored and watched. And we joke about it with our phones that are always in our pocket. You know, they're hearing everything we do. They're watching everything. And I recently had someone tell me that you can look up your own ad settings. And what's so funny, first of all, is that I have this on. I have ad personalization on, which means I agree to it. Because how many times when we download something, we're installing new software, we need to get on a website, do we just scroll past that user agreement and hit I agree? And we don't know what we're agreeing to and we don't know what we're accepting. And it looks at how your ads are personalized and it basically gives a bio about you. And I think my Google settings are a little bit confused because I use this account for work and for personal life. And so I think it sees me Googling things that may be geared more towards other populations through the newsroom and then I go home and use it personally. But it thinks that I'm a female age 18 to 44 and it has on there that I'm interested in agriculture and forestry, which makes sense because I was raised on a dairy farm. Uh, animal products and services are on there. I'm a huge animal nut. Uh, beef, books and literature. It has all these different things where they think that these are things that are relevant to you based on what it hears and what it sees. And you can go and look in your own Google account if you had it. Go in your settings and check out ad personalization and see how much they know about you. Right. It's kind of scary, really, because I would say the great majority of Americans have no idea that this kind of data is being collected on them. And who knows if people are going to use it for malicious intent, right? Mm -hmm. um, I know somebody who just recently 
got their email got hacked because of Messenger on Facebook or because of Facebook, and now they're they're the victim of um, identity theft and and fraud. It is definitely concerning the level of technology that Orwell could never have envisioned, and just how much uh, we are under surveillance and we don't even know about it. And Bill, when you had mentioned to me that you wanted to talk about 1984, like you said, it's a fairly short book, only 59 pages long, and it's pretty easy to access. Right. I found an online version at a website called readonlinefreebook.com. So a little Google search of the internet, <laughs> and they'll, they'll know, know that you you're are. interested. <laughs> You'll probably start seeing ads uh, urging you to buy it from Amazon.com. But uh, Orwell's book is really thought-provoking in light of what's happening in our society today. I urge you to take the time to read it and give some thought to what's happening in America and how it's impacting our personal freedom. Thank you, Bill. And we do have a Facebook group that you can join if you want to stay up to date with what's happening at Fact Check. You can give us your comments. You can also give us some show ideas if there's something that you want to talk about, any feedback. Just look for Fact Check Wisdom on Facebook. For Fact Check, I'm Caitlin Riley. And I'm Bill Fian. 